And uh, we have a really, really special service today that I'm very excited about. It's really the first time we've ever done anything like this. It's a special Advent service. Uh, so typically in our services, uh, they're full of preaching, they're full of uh, some singing, some scripture reading, some prayer. But really today is is kind of mostly scripture reading, meditating on passage of scripture, and singing, singing together corporately as a congregation. And so it's going to be a really uh, special service. Uh, just to kind of give you a heads up, the, the first half is uh, a lot actually for you to receive. Um, so you'll just kind of mostly sit there. You're, you're welcome to sing along, obviously, with any song. But uh, Matt will give you instructions about when to participate, when to sing, when to stand, etc. So the first half you'll kind of sit there and enjoy, feel the tension of the story, and then uh, we'll invite you in uh, at the second part of the story, uh, or the second part of the morning. Um, I do want to just draw your attention as we get started today to your bulletin. Um, you should have your bulletin in uh, your hand here, and there's always some helpful announcements uh, right at the back of your bulletin. Uh, it, actually, since you've got your bulletin in your hand, um, at the uh, throughout the bulletin, you can see some of the scripture passages that we'll be referencing, the songs that we will be singing, so you can follow along um, in your bulletin as we go through um, today's uh, special Advent service. Um, but just a couple of announcements. First of all, today, actually right now, in the lower part of the lounge next to the old children's area, I say old children's area because last week, our children moved to some new space on the other side of the building. Did anybody go down there and see it? Yeah. Looks amazing, doesn't it? Huge move, beautiful, beautiful space. Matt Nolan, his wife Nicole Nolan, their whole team did an amazing job getting that ready. So grateful for that. If you haven't gone there to check out the new children's space yet, it's uh, kind of past the courtyard. If, if you don't know where to go, just ask some someone and, and they can help you out there. But anyway, down where the children's space used to be, we have a photo booth today. Uh, and this is like a special photo booth, I'm told. Um, I've never been a part of a photo booth like it where it doesn't just give you a picture. It gives you a, a GIF. And uh, it's not a gift. It's a GIF. GIF. I think it's GIF. I don't know. G-I-F. And basically it's you moving around in Christmas clothing. What more do you want for Christmas than that? That's my question today. So it's really cool. We, we want you to do it. It's going to be a, it's a fun little thing for our church to do. Um, I'm excited to go down there. We've got a lot of little props. And if you, if you do this, uh, we want you to tag Christ's covenant uh, if you post it. And here's what we got. Um, Blake and the team have put together this wonderful Christ's covenant gift basket. Okay. You can kind of see what's in here, but the part that you can't there's some really special stuff down there, okay? So if you tag it, we will choose one gift person, and you will get this bag. So please do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. You can do it after the service, obviously, and um, uh, that's, that's going on today. Okay, another really big announcement. If you are a member of the church, we had a great members meeting last year or last week. We welcome many new members, and so we have printed for you um, membership directories. This is kind of a mini little passion of mine, I guess. I, I really believe in membership directories because I, I want you guys to know one another, to be praying for one another, to feel like you're a part of one another's lives. This is a great tool to that end. So you can pick these up at the Connect Desk after the service. Uh, I really hope that you do that um, and you're praying for one another. If you're a guest or a visitor with us today, um, I just want to welcome you. So grateful that you're here. Um, I'd love to meet you after the service. Again, you can come by. We have a great little welcome booklet. Um, I'd love to get some information. Again, that's available at the Connect Desk. Um, at this time, uh, just because of the performance, our, our deacons are going to come forward and uh, start passing the offering baskets. We just are grateful for your generosity and just encourage you to finish the year strong um, in giving to the Lord and supporting his work. Um, one more announcement I have. Uh, there's a few more at the bottom of the bulletin you see about Covenant Institute courses coming up. First Sunday coming up on the second Sunday, actually, of January. Uh, so you can see that note. Um, but uh, the big one that I have, and I really, really am excited and eager for this service, 
our Christmas Eve service. Of course, it's Christmas Eve. It's at 4 p.m., and we're going to be having the service at Morningside Baptist Church. Morningside Baptist Church is kind of off Piedmont near Fat Matt's Rib Shack. We've been kind of helping them out with uh, some supply preaching for them. Our pastor school guys have been over there, uh, and they've kindly returned the favor by allowing us to have our Christmas Eve service there. It is a beautiful room for a Christmas Eve service. Um, we've, we're going to have our, our normal time of worship, but... I am excited about this. We've got an organist that's going to be there. So they have a huge pipe organ that they rarely get to play. We're going to play it that night. It's going to be a really, really cool night. So that's at 4 p.m. Bring a friend. Bring the whole family at Morningside Baptist. And, of course, that's Christmas Eve. Um, uh, last uh, quick little uh, reminder before we get started today. The uh, Angel Tree. If you got Angel Tree gifts, they are... Um, they're due today or maybe tomorrow if you forgot them. But please bring them by at least the collective tomorrow. Uh, we're going to go deliver those tomorrow or maybe Tuesday morning. And we're very, very excited about that great ministry. Thanks for doing that. Last but not least, I, some people may be coming in late. So especially if you're kind of on the edges and there's a few seats, just go ahead and scoot a little bit toward the middle if you can scoot one or two. Um, uh, just to kind of keep people from crawling over during the Advent service. Well, it, uh, as we prepare our hearts for worship, um, we are going to be, as we've been doing every week, lighting an Advent candle. It's right behind me here. And uh, John Roberts is going to come out and lead us in the lighting of the Advent candle. Advent, of course, uh, it, it's a time where we think about the coming of Jesus. That's what the word means, to think about the coming of Christ. And, of course, Christmas we celebrate the first coming. But Jesus, when he came... Uh, 2,000 years ago in his first coming, it, it was just uh, the opening of the manifestation of his fullness. And of course, as Christians, we long await the true fulfillment of the coming of Christ when, of course, he comes again, when he comes a second time. So in, in a very real sense, as we think about his first coming, Advent is a time when we look forward to the fullness of his second coming. And John Robert is going to lead us at this time in the lighting of the Advent candle. As Dee said, today marks the uh, third Sunday of Advent, and we have worked our way through various candles, as you see. Uh, we started with the hope candle, and then we proceeded with uh, the second candle of peace. And today marks the candle of joy. We are commanded to have joy. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in Philippians 4.4. 4. Uh, one of the things I love most about Christmas is it's truly a joyful season. Uh, all season long, we celebrate with music and song and lights and decorations. We celebrate by getting together with family and friends and by exchanging gifts. Uh, it's truly a joyful time of year. Uh, but I have a feeling that sometimes we let the world hijack the true joy of Christmas. Because when we come right down to it, the true meaning of Christmas is not, is not from the lights, it's not from the decorations, it's, it's not from the music, but it's, uh, it's from the meaning of Christmas. At the heart of Christmas is the good news of Jesus Christ, who was born uh, to be a, our Savior into the world. Uh, an all-powerful God humbles himself to be in the form of man to ultimately die on the cross and serve as the propitiation for our sins. From the beginning to the end of the Christmas story, it is punctuated with various outbursts of moments of joy. All at the center is the birth of Christ. Uh, you can't get away from it, you can't get around it, you can't spell Christmas without Christ, and you can't enter the true joy of the season without Jesus. This morning, I want you to consider a few truths about the joy of Christmas. First, Jesus brings the joy of our salvation, uh, and then true joy will bring about praise. When we look at the manger, we should look towards the cross. The only reaction we can have of, for the grace that's been shown to us through Christ is joyous praise. Uh, we can see this reaction in, in the passage at Luke 2, 8 through 14. And it says, And in the same region there were shepherds out on the field, keeping watch over the flock at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord sh shone around them, and they were feared, uh, filled with great fear. And an angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy uh, that will be for all the people for unto you is born 
this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will, be, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying on a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, with the angel was a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, uh, and earth, peace among those whom he is pleased with. All right, let's pray. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, I would like to thank you for this day. Um, I'd like to thank you for sending your son who came in, in, uh, as a baby, came to the earth uh, on, for the reason we celebrate Christmas. Um, and then help us look towards the cross and help us have joy in this season and not lose uh, sight and be distracted um, during this time. But let's focus on his birth and, and your will. In your name, amen. walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. The Christmas story began long before there was a manger in Bethlehem. It began before there were shepherds in a field or angels in the sky. It began before the angel Gabriel told a virgin named Mary that she was going to have a child. This story even began before the prophet Isaiah spoke to the people walking in darkness about the great light that was to come. But the story did begin in a dark place. In fact, the story began in the darkest place on the darkest night when for the first time every man and woman were distant from God. You see, God's good design when he created the world and created men and women is that we would enjoy perfect fellowship with him and with one another for all time if we would listen to his tender voice and follow his good ways. But of course, we didn't listen and we didn't obey. Men and women are prone to wander from the good order of God. And in the beginning of time, sin, came into the world. When it did, the world that God had made that was only full of goodness and beauty and the world that only had purity and wonder and light tasted for the very first time evil and darkness and brokenness and death. It was a bitter, bitter taste. And it was a dark, dark moment. But even in the midst of that darkness, God gave the world a spark, a small hope of a coming light. God promised the man and the woman an offspring who would undo the curse of sin and who would bring a light into the world that would finally and forever overcome the dark. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile until the sun of i 
From Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears hear their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. When the righteous cry for help, the Lord hears and delivers them out of all their troubles. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. For years, God's people sought deliverance sought deliverance from the curse of sin through his sons, and Cain sought deliverance from the dangers of exile. Noah sought deliverance from the flood in the ark, and Abraham sought deliverance from his wife's barrenness. Jacob sought deliverance from Esau, and Joseph sought deliverance from slavery and prison. Eventually, all God's people would be seeking deliverance from the heavy hand of Egypt, and throughout the Old Testament scriptures, God shows himself faithful send deliverance and to send a deliverer. From Psalm 91, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust, for he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinion under his wings you will find refuge. But eventually the land that God had promised was taken away from the people of God. They found themselves being under the hand of a strange and godless people. All of God's promises seemed far away, along with any hope of deliverance.
Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather you beneath my gentle
deliverer came. He didn't come in a palace or with an army or even with great political power. He came as a humble child. While all over the world, people ate meals, went about their days and tended to their business very quietly in a forgotten town called Bethlehem. All of history had changed. This is from Luke 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Well, this time I want to invite you to stand with us and uh, we're going to sing together celebrate the things we've heard the coming of our Savior
seated for a moment. This deliverer, our deliverer, came into the world in such an inconsequential way that it was almost hard to believe that anything had happened. What Mary and Joseph didn't know, however, is that God had announced the coming of this humble king to more people than just them. He showed some foreign kings star, which was to them a sign that a new king would be born in Israel. This sign led them to bring gifts from afar as an act of service to this newborn king. Also, just outside of Bethlehem, God showed a sign to a bunch of unsuspecting shepherds that they would never ever forget. From Luke 2, and in the same region, 
were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, for you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph, and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told to them. Let's stand once again. Can we stand together?
thing about Christmas is the wonder of it, the surprise of it, the things that are so important about this season to us, the music, the lights, the presents, they're, they're all there to produce in your heart a sense of wonder. And I hope that's not lost on you. You know, if you, if you work all week long for something, and then at the end of that week, you get a paycheck, it's not wonderful. It's you're grateful, but it's not surprising. You, you earned that paycheck. But if someone unexpectedly gives you a gift, gives you a present, it's shocking, it's wonderful. It does something to you. It lifts your soul. That's what Christmas is like. It's this wonderful, unexpected thing that has happened. You know, you, if God were to come and dwell among us, you would expect him to come with an army, to come in a palace, to come with the sound of trumpets. And one day he will come like that. But in this coming, he comes in the most quiet and still and unexpected way. And, and I think this part of Christmas is, is often misunderstood. This part of Christianity is often misunderstood. You see, Jesus isn't Hercules. Jesus isn't half man 
and half God. He's fully God and fully man. And that's important. Because God is greater than man, in order for Jesus to be fully man, then his humanity necessarily had to cover his divinity. His experience of humanity, as we sing, veiled his divinity, veiled in flesh the Godhead see. It's the amazing thing about Christmas is that Jesus was so humble to veil his divinity with humanity. And not just humanity, the weakest and most needy kind of humanity. He came as a baby. He came to identify with us in every way. You know, I read a story this week about, uh, it was just a little article about a CEO of a Fortune 500 company. And people were lauding him uh, because, you know, he didn't fly in a private jet and he had a modestly sized office and he was often around his cohorts and people that work for him. And that's good. Uh, good for him. But we laud someone like that for having the capacity to use their power to, to push themselves up. But I think so oftentimes we miss what Jesus has really done. As Matt says in one of his songs, he was the theme of heaven's praises. He was the king of the entire cosmos. All of the universe was at his disposal, and yet he veiled his divinity in order to become not just a man but a baby, the most needy kind of human. He, he veiled himself so that he really was dependent on food. He really was dependent on someone to cover him and to keep him warm. I mean, think about that. The one who created food made himself in such a way to where he needed food. The one who created warmth made himself in such a way to where he needed warmth. The one who created all human capacity made himself to be in such a way where he really had to learn to talk and he really had to learn to walk. He made himself like us in every way so that he could in every way identify with us. I want you to hear that. God has come to identify with you in the person of Jesus Christ. God has come in every way. He endured, as the old catechism says, all the miseries of this life. God has in every way come to identify with you. And I want you to hear this. So that you, so that I could identify with him. Yesterday, Paige and I watched the Army-Navy game. Such a great game. And it's a game that has the attention kind of of the whole world. There's, there's armed forces, men and women all around the world that care deeply about the outcome of that game. They put their heart and soul into beating Army or beating Navy. In fact, I, I've heard that your plebe year in the Naval Academy, you, that whole year you have to run everywhere you go. And every time you turn a corner, you have to yell out, beat Army. Okay. There's a lot of passion. There's a lot of energy in this game. And, and actually, for the past three years, Army has won the game. They were going for a four-game streak, which means that that class would have beaten Navy every single year. But it didn't happen. Navy won the game yesterday. And they won the game because they have this quarterback named Malcolm Perry. And he was amazing. If you watch the game, the kid was heroic. He, he ran up and down the field against Army. He ran for over 300 yards. He was the hero of the game. Because of him, because of him, and because of his effort on the field, Navy was able to win the game. And so yesterday, you know what people that are Navy fans, people that have been in the Navy all over the world, people in ships all over the world, you know what they said? You know what they screamed out? We beat Army. We beat Army. Now, you know what's interesting about that is those people weren't at the game. Those people weren't on the field. They weren't, it's the most of them, a lot of them weren't even near the field. They weren't even near Philadelphia. Yet, they beat Army yesterday. Why? Because they've, er, th because they've identified with Navy. They're Navy people. They're Navy fans. Now, you may care nothing about Navy football, but if you've been a fan of anything, you know what I'm talking about. You ever pulled for the Braves? You ever pulled for a college team? If you ever pulled for anything, you know what I'm talking about. It, it, sports teaches us something 
about a vicarious identity with something else. You may have never pitched a pitch at Turner Field or at SunTrust Park, but man, you've you've been there with the Braves. You know, you may have never, you know, when, when I was a kid, I, I watched Michael Jordan. I, I never have been to a game, a Chicago Bulls game, but man, I was there with Jordan when he won the sixth championship. You, we understand this idea of a vicarious hero, someone going out there on our behalf, doing something that we cannot do, and through trust in him or them, we get the result of that. We get the victory of that. We beat armies. But we also understand the idea of a vicarious defeat, right? Today, all around the world, people that are in the army are saying, we lost the Navy. People that weren't out on the field, that had nothing to do with the game, they feel the nature of that defeat. Over the past three weeks, we've been looking, a few weeks, we've been looking at how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He's the fulfillment of the call of the Old Testament. He's the true priest and the true prophet and the true king. And the thing about Jesus, the Bible says that he is the kind of priest. He's not a priest that can't identify with us. It says in Hebrews 4. But he is a priest who came to be like us in every way, in every way, just as we are. He was tempted just as we are yet never sinned. Jesus is the hero that came to this earth to live the life that you and I were supposed to live, to live the life that we know we were supposed to live. We know we were supposed to follow God and know God and obey God, but we didn't. We couldn't. But God has sent us this vicarious hero that came in every way to identify with us. He identified us with in, in all of our life, and even as a baby, even as a child, in every way, in all of our temptation, in all of our trials, in all of our pains, Jesus is identified with us. And he achieved in this life perfect righteousness. But as I said, if you've ever been a fan of anything, you understand vicarious victory, you also understand vicarious defeat. And the amazing thing about Jesus, and I want you to hear this, is that he loves you so much is so for you that he has vicariously taken on your defeat. All Jesus ever deserved was reward. All Jesus ever deserved was the pleasure of God. But what Jesus got on the cross when he came to earth was the wrath of God, the displeasure of God. He was forsaken on the cross by God. Why? Because Jesus is so for you, he was such a fan of you that vicariously he took on all of your sin, all of your disobedience, all of your mistrust, all of your selfishness before God, and he took your loss. He died in your place. He took your vicarious defeat and offers you, through faith in him, his victory. And so if you're in Christ, you can say, victory is ours. If you're in Christ, you can really know God. You can be restored to peace. You can be restored to hope. A deliverer has come for you and for me. And he's come in the most unexpected way, in the most surprising way, in the most humble way. And so, if this wonder of Christmas, this surprise of Christmas, I just want to invite you, if it's captured you in any way today, then, then I do invite you, if, 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 if your next step is to, you feel like to talk to me or to talk to one of our pastors, I am so easy to find. Please just come find me after the service. Text me. You can use our text to pastor line. I'd love to talk to you about what it really means to trust in Jesus, to put your life in Jesus, for him to be your vicarious victor your hero, and for you to in him find joy and life and light and peace. Because you see, after Jesus died in our place on the cross, another surprise happened. He rose again. He defeated sin and death. And he is establishing, even now, even in this place today, he is establishing his 
eternal kingdom for all who look to him, for all who identify with him, for all who place their faith in him. And our only response, if that's you, is to follow him, to listen to him, and to adore him. Let's adore this humble king.